Welcome to the Weight Inclusive Innovators Podcast. My name is Hannah Turnbull. And I'm Morgan Sinclair. We're two non-diet dietitians, entrepreneurs, and Enneagram 7s here to talk shop about the business side of things. From managing a team of clinicians to building a cohesive brand to figuring out how the heck to pay yourself, we get deep down in it talking about what it actually takes to start, run, and grow your weight inclusive business, the good and the messy. We know your degree didn't include any business classes, at least not any applicable to what you're doing now as an entrepreneur. This is why we are on a mission to bring business education to other weight inclusive clinicians. Say sayonara to all the hours spent on Google and hello to information that is actually relevant. Let's dive into today's episode. Welcome back to the pod. Hello. How's it going, Morgan? It's going good. Going good. Recovering from a cold. So if my voice sounds deeper than it usually is today, that's why. I was telling Morgan earlier that she has the same voice as Brene Brown. And one of the greatest compliments I've ever received in my entire life. It's the Houstonian thing for sure, but every time I like hear a Brene Brown podcast, now all I can think about is Morgan, which that's okay. I'm so honored. <laughs> so honored. More more than you can even imagine. But yeah, it has to it has to be the Houstonian thing. Me and Brene are both uh, native Houstonians. Now that we're talking about it, we're kind of manifesting that you're going to run into her somewhere. <gasps> what would you do? I don't even know. Go up and introduce myself for sure. I feel like there's actually a few really weird random connections that I have to her. So I would at least have some, like I could have a go-to. Like I had a few friends who worked for her. There's a therapist in town that knows her. So I feel like I have enough pull points to be able to go and be like, oh my God, you know, so-and-so, so do I. <laughs> I love that that's your take on it. If you see somebody famous that you want to meet. Cause I love asking people this question because I think a lot of the times people will be like, Oh, I'm not going to bother them. Like, I'm not going to put them in the spotlight and bring attention. Or people are like, I'm going to lose my shit and just start crying. And I don't know what I would do. I think in the moment I would just act and do something, but I was actually talking to my friend about this. So I'm, and this kind of leads into our checking check-in topic today is I was going to ask what you like to do outside of your business that nourishes you. And I guess I'll go first since this kind of leads into it. But so one of my favorite things, as you know, from my last episode is mountaineering stuff, but specifically rock climbing. I love it. It's so fun. It's mental, it's physical, um, and it's very skill-based versus just being strong, which is a common misconception for people. But, or my friend texted me and she was at the airport and I don't know if you've, I don't know what all like people who don't climb know about like the celebrities of climbing, but Alex Honnold, have you heard his name? I haven't. Okay. So Alex Honnold is the bananas person who free soloed a route on El Capitan, which means he used no gear besides his shoes and a chalk bag and climbed this giant ass wall on this really fucking hard route. So like if he fell, he would die Ooh. and they made a documentary on it. So we'll link that in the show notes because it's very interesting and hand sweaty, even if you're not a climber to watch it. Anyway, so Alex Honnold was at the airport and my friend saw him, texted me and was like, oh my gosh, he's sitting here eating a bell pepper like an apple. <laughs> and I was like, ew, first of all. Gross. And second of all, did you run up to him? And she was like, no, I'm not going to bring attention to him. And I'm like, he's probably used to it. It's fine. But that's my like removed from a celebrity story of a sighting. There you go. I honestly, I feel like it depends on the kind of mood I'm in. I feel like it, it, it's like a 50-50 chance of whether I just like let them be or whether I would go up and talk to them. I, I can don't see actually that know. Yeah. Cause if you're like not feeling extroverted or you're in a, a rush or whatever, you're probably not going to stop. Or if it's a celebrity, you're like, oh, I recognize you, but I, I don't care to like actually meet you. For example, I saw a country singer um, at the gym once when I was in college at Mizzou. Uh, who was it? Sam Hunt. Okay. Sam Hunt was in the gym. And I was like, oh, I know you're Sam Hunt, but like, I don't really care to say hi. So I have nothing to say to you. Yeah. No offense to Sam Hunt or Sam Hunt friends, fans, but I just, yeah, that's not really like, I'm not invested in you, you know, yeah. Alex Honnold, I would have lost my shit. Yeah. 
Well, here's to putting that good juju while you go to the airport tomorrow that you might run into him. Yes. Yes. I'm heading to Austin for a wedding this weekend. So that will be very fun. We're in the same state. I know. Three hours away. Yep. Wait, poor planning on our part. Okay. So check-in topic. I already shared mine. My thing outside of business is rock climbing. I effing love it. What's yours? What's nourishing you outside of business? It's tough because I feel like a lot of things, a lot of newer projects that I'm working on do nourish me, but I'm not going to count work as something that's nourishing. We're going to go outside of work. Going on walks, Hmm. I feel nourishes me, but I feel like that's kind of not a lame answer, but definitely not cool as rock climbing. (laughs) Hey, there's no expectation here. Rock climbing for some people would definitely not be nourishing. They would be like, I'm going to shit myself. I love rock climbing. That was my kinesiology in college. Really? Yeah. I haven't done it in a long time though. Anyway, back to the question. I'm not going to let myself go off. Going on little trips, just Mm -hmm. like road trips, booking weekend trips and that. So pre-pandemic, I was averaging about a trip a month. And so I feel like I've had to come up with new things to nourish me, but I'm really looking forward to getting back into that habit because that's it was during those times that I felt like my truest, best self. I can see that for you. That's awesome. It's also really awesome. I feel like after college, all of my friends just dispersed across the U.S. And then on top of that, being in the eating disorder space, you make friends through Instagram. And so combination of all of that, I'm like, where do I want to go this weekend? <laughs> I have so many friends all over the state. Like who will, who will be my host this weekend? <laughs> I love that. I think that's one of the cool things too. I think about Instagram and I think about college and yeah, when you have people that move to cool places, you're like, oh, nice. And I, I feel like I'm not friend for a lot of people too, being in Denver. People fucking love Colorado, yes. understandably. That's why I live here. And so I love, I have an extra bedroom now. So I'm like, come stay with me. One day we'll record the pod in there. Yes. I'm so looking forward to that. Yeah. So looking forward to it. Well, I hope you can get back to traveling soon to the capacity that you want to. One of the perks of working for yourself. But for now, we are going to jump into our episode, which is where we are diving in, putting Morgan in the hot seat, hearing all the entrepreneur endeavors and her business story around what's been going on. So. Hey, yo, I am going to open the door for Morgan to start where she wants to start. Hello. So in full transparency, especially if you are watching the YouTube video and you realize that I am in a different outfit, I am re-recording my story. Hannah and I were debriefing after we last recorded it. And after listening back to the recording, I realized I jumped around a lot, which I didn't want that to be part of the story. I wanted it to be in chronological order. And then Hannah also brought up that I forgot a few key pieces. Uh, So in order to bring it all full circle, I am re-recording. Here we go. Here's my story on how I got to where I am today. And we're going to take it all the way back to college. So I got my Bachelor of Science in Nutrition from Texas A&M University. Whenever I started my degree, I definitely had a pretty unhealthy relationship with food and my body. I feel like that tends to be the name of the game for a lot of nutrition majors, and I'm just very thankful that that has changed. There were several pivotal moments as I reflect on my undergrad that got me to where I am today. So the first one was... My sophomore year of college, I actually started working for AM Athletics, Texas AM Athletics. And they had just moved or they were about to move to the SEC. It was all new, fun, exciting. I thought I wanted to be a sports dietitian. I absolutely loved working for them. I'm a morning person. We were up at, you know, 5:15, 5:30 in the morning, going to make smoothies for after the football players lifts. Towards the end of my undergrad, I actually moved over with the other dietitian, Blair, who's now one of my best friends. And we did primarily baseball, men's women's basketball, tennis. She also had soccer. Uh, And it was just honestly so great. 
But I also realized that Blair and I were similar in the sense that Blair has a really strong work ethic. I actually don't know if my work ethic was, would ever be as strong as Blair's. She's incredible, but she worked really long hours and was very dedicated to her career. And I realized that I could not be committed to those hours whenever I was an adult and outside of school. But one really incredible thing that happened during that was it allowed me to connect with the Student Athletes Advisory Council, I think is what it was called, which led me to be able to start a nonprofit at AM called Aggies Move, where we took student athletes and teams into elementary schools. We picked two elementary schools a year, visited each school six times and went in and taught nutrition education. Um, it was definitely a little disordered at first, but towards the end of Aggie's move, after I had learned about intuitive eating, I'd actually consulted with a therapist in Houston on how to talk about food and bodies to kids. We made some changes. It was really incredible. Another pivotal moment in my undergrad was getting to do two nutrition-focused study abroads. In the summer of 2014, I traveled with 20 nutrition and food science students to Northern Italy. We were there for about four and a half weeks touring around, learning all about Italian cuisine. And then the summer right after, I traveled with about with 20 more nutrition and food science students to Brazil, where we spent five weeks there studying the cuisine and food culture of Brazil. We were actually at a university about four hours north of Rio for three weeks. And then we went up to Manaus and got to live on a boat on the Amazon river. And then our last week was spent in Rio. And it was because of those trips that actually encouraged me to start one of my companies now called the eating expedition, which I'll get into that a little bit later. The fourth pivotal thing that happened during undergrad was whenever I was asked to design an e-portfolio for one of my nutrition classes. If you're not familiar with an e-portfolio, it's basically your resume brought to life through a website. So you have your resume, it's one page of text. With an e-portfolio, you're able to add pictures, expand on certain experiences, include PDFs of work that you've done, et cetera, et cetera. You get to bring your resume to life. I was really confused why we had to do this. I was honestly a little annoyed we had to do this. I'm like, this has nothing to do with nutrition. Why am I building a website? And so I decided to make the best of it. I went to my favorite coffee shop. I ordered my coffee. I sat down, I opened up Wix and I started designing the website. And four hours later realized I hadn't touched my coffee, which is insane to think about. I don't remember the last time that I was doing something where I forgot to drink my coffee. And so I made a little mental note of that. I'm like, hmm, this is really interesting that I fully deep dived into building a website, which now I build websites for a living. So, you know, trusting that gut process. But my senior year, I really questioned whether I wanted to be a dietitian for the rest of my life or not, which as you can imagine being a senior and you're like, do I really want to be doing this undergrad degree for the rest of my life? Kind of sucked because I couldn't change my major. It was too late. There was no, I was going to stay there for longer for school. Thankfully we had to take one marketing class during our undergrad. And because of that class, I was open up to the world of getting to do a minor in business, which I ended up picking up, which part of it was because I wanted to diversify my degree because I didn't want to really be a dietitian. But also, if I'm going to be honest, I wanted to stay an extra semester to have another football season. And I got both of those things. I got my business minor. I got my extra football season. It was good to go. Also during my senior year, this is going to be one of the most millennial things that ever comes out of my mouth. I ran across a girl on Instagram who totally changed my idea of what a dietitian could do. Her name is Abigail Kinnear. And at the time she was the dietitian for Siggy's yogurt. And I, she lived in New York city. And from what I could see from the outside looking in her whole job was getting to network and market with dietitians and tell them about Siggy's. And I was like, wait, I don't have to go work at a hospital forever and ever. Like I can go do something like that. How amazing. That also kind of lined up with the same time that I found out that a friend had shared with me that AM was actually starting a brand new, master, brand new master's program in May's Business School. It was a master's of science in business. So it was essentially an MBA, which 
but it wasn't really an MBA because for most MBAs, you have to go out into the corporate world, work for a few years before you can come back and do your MBA. And, but it was kind of like an MBA, but we had to have less than 18 months of work experience and it was geared towards STEM majors. So majority of my classmates were engineers and pre-med, and there were actually four nutrition students in my master's program. And it was structured in a way where you would get your undergrad, then you would go get your master's in business. And then you would essentially return back to your undergrad just with business knowledge. So it was super appealing and I decided to apply for it. The only problem was it didn't start until the summer. I graduated in December of 2015. That program started in July of 2016, which meant I had a whole semester off and I needed a job. I was, I still had my apartment in College Station, which is where a and located. And I still was working for athletics on the weekends. And so I needed a job that could allow me to work Monday through Thursday, which I know was really picky of me, but it all worked out. I was talking to one of my friends, Kylie Mitchell, who was already working as an eating disorder dietitian in Houston, which is my hometown. And I was telling her like, oh, I really need a job. And she said, well, we share an office space with a medical practice that specializes in eating disorders. And I know you don't really have any interest in working with eating disorders, but with your degree in nutrition, I think you'd be a really good fit. And so had my interview told them, I'm like, just so you know, I can only work Monday through Thursdays, most weeks. And Jennifer, the physician assistant was like, that's great. We have someone who can only work Fridays. We really only need an office manager Monday through Thursdays. And so it was just one of those universe things and those fate things. Uh, and so I accepted the job. I started working for them. It took me probably two months to fully wrap my head around eating disorders. And that was, and I'm so thankful I got to sit in and shadow a lot of Jennifer's patients. It took me a while. I had, we had one hour lecture in undergrad of the definitions of eating disorders, which is a whole other tangent I can go on in and of itself. We actually had a patient go through refeeding syndrome in the office. Uh, we had to call 911. She had to go to the emergency room. Her phosphorus level was the lowest that the ER docs or the ER nurses had ever seen. It was terrifying. I didn't sleep that night. I was like, I, that was the night that it finally clicked that, that I understood what eating disorders were, that I understood that it was such a, there's such a mental component to it. And from that point on, I was like, you know what, if I ever end up working as a dietitian, it's going to be an eating disorders. Like my life is forever changed. So I worked for them for about seven months before I went back to college station full-time to get my master's of science in business. During this time, I am so thankful that I was in a cohort with some incredibly creative human beings. We actually had to do, one of our classes was called integrative business experience. And we actually had to start a business and getting to just kind of see how businesses were started, the different marketing pieces, branding pieces, which were the things that I was really interested in could really care less about financials. Thankfully, other people in the group were really about that. But getting to see how all of that came to life just really opened my eyes. I actually started dabbling and creating websites for myself, just kind of being encouraged by classmates, getting to do that kind of work for the business that we were building in my master's program. And it was such a game changer. I was able to reflect back on my e-portfolio and then just continue to build on that knowledge. It thankfully came really easily to me. I love the design piece. I loved getting feedback from my friends, but it was also during this time that I decided that I was going to go do my internship, my dietetic internship and get my RD credentials. I was like, I had already gone through school. I might as well get some letters after my last name. And so I applied for internships for my master's program um, and got matched with an internship, which I'll talk about in a bit. But also during my master's program, I ran across a, I think I first heard about it on Facebook. I'm trying to remember exactly where I saw it, maybe Instagram, but it's a group called the Bucket List Bombshells, which is, I feel like I chuckle every time I say that name, but it's an incredible group of women. And it was started by Shay and Cassie. One of them lived in San Diego. One of them lived in Canada. They were both working corporate jobs. They were 
pissed that they only had two weeks of vacation a year. Both of them quit their jobs. Both of them moved down to Mexico. That's actually where they met and they built the Bucketless Bombshells, which is a community of women who desire to be digital nomads, which means you can basically work anywhere there's Wi-Fi. I, my life was forever changed after realizing that that was something that I could do. And so follow them on literally every social media platform, got on their email list, threw myself into what they were doing. And I was like, this is what I want to do. I don't know how I'm going to do this, but I like building websites. I'm pretty good at building websites. So maybe one day I'll be able to do this. Graduated from my master's program, had a month and a half off, maybe pretty sure I went back and worked for the medical center for eating disorders just temporarily before I started my dietetic internship. Now, remember, I still wasn't totally sold on being a dietitian full-time for the rest of my life. And I picked the shortest internship that I could possibly find because I didn't want to dedicate a lot of my life to it. If I knew it wasn't something that I was going to do for a very long time. So I picked the University of Houston internship. It's it has to be one of the shortest programs out there. I actually ended up picking the distance track. And so even though I did all my rotations in Houston, I wanted to be able to choose my own rotations because at that point I kind of knew what I liked, knew what I didn't, was able to add in some eating disorder experience in there. And during my internship, I actually worked a little bit, which I know is taboo. You're not supposed to work during your internship, but I was able to work with three incredible women entrepreneurs during my internship, building out their brand and their website, which just further solidified that I really enjoyed doing that type of work. During my internship, I met two very pivotal people in my life, Sasha and Emily. Sasha was another intern and her and I had met during our food service rotation and she spoke the language of eating disorders. As soon as we met and both realized that we had that mutual understanding and mutual connection. We became very fast friends. Same with Emily, her and I, she was already working. Emily was already working as a dietitian. We met at a holiday party and we were both younger dietitians. I was still a soon to be dietitian in Houston. And I was like, Hey, we're both young. We should go grab dinner. Like let's be friends. Um, and both of those turned into really fast friendships. Um, both of whom I'm still really good friends with today. Throughout my internship, I was still keeping up with the bucketless bombshells that that community was growing. I was getting to see all these women quit their jobs, not that I even had a job at the time, but quit their jobs and travel the world. And some point during my internship, I decided that I wanted to do that too. And I decided I was moving to Italy. So I finished my internship in January of 2018. And then two days after my 25th birthday in February, I packed all my things and flew over to Italy. The plan was to stay there for five to six months. A few weeks before I left, I realized that if I wanted to stay longer than 90 days, I would have needed a visa and it was too late to apply for that, which honestly, I'm kind of glad it ended up only being three months because when I got over there, that was a kind of a rude awakening. I didn't speak Italian. I did take Italian classes before I left, but I didn't speak enough Italian to uh, be considered fluent. I only knew one person that was there and I was in a city that I had never been to before. Why I picked that city, I don't know, but I did. It was exhilarating when I booked it, kind of scary when I got there. Overall though, it kind of sucked. I didn't know what to do with all of my time. I didn't have, I literally showed up and was like, cool, I have 90 days. What am I going to do to fill 90 days? And when I don't know what to do, I tend to start a business or throw myself into a business. And that's exactly what I did when I was in Italy. There were three coffee shops in the city that I lived in that also were open to having coworkers. Like there was enough space for me to like sit and work without being too much of a pests to other people. And so I basically rotated between those three different coffee shops. And that's where I laid the foundation of my design studio. So it was originally called Levanto Design Co. Levanto is a city in on the Northwest coast of Italy, which is where I did my study abroad. I was living in Italy, building my business, was very inspired by all of the Italian colors of the coast. And that's where it all began. I dedicated three months to laying the foundation, coming up with packages, pricings, putting together PDFs, and putting a system into place. 90 days passed 
pretty dang slowly. By the end, I was definitely ready to come home. And within a week of me being home, I ended up meeting up with Emily and Sasha at two different occasions. And both of them were working for the same treatment center. They were just working at different levels of care. And after talking to them some more, I ended up getting a job offer from both of their program directors to interview. They both had part-time positions open to interview and ended up getting hired by that treatment center, splitting my time between those two levels of care. Never thought I would work as an eating disorder dietitian, literally in my life, but it was one of those things that just was too good of an opportunity to pass up. And I'm so thankful that I trusted my gut and went with it because while I was working as a dietitian, I got to connect with a lot of other eating disorder clinicians in Houston. It started some really interesting conversations whenever I told them that I was in Italy building a design studio, they would usually mention I can't find a web designer anywhere who understands what we do. As soon as I tell them that I am a dietitian, they want to put triggering shit all over my website. And I don't have the time to explain to them what an eating disorder dietitian is, the lingo that we use, what a Hayes provider is, all of that. And I was like, I speak your lingo. I know what intuitive eating is. I know what eating disorder dietitians do. I could build your website for you. And In November of 2018, I was on a girl's trip to Mexico City. Maybe that's why I like travel so much. I feel like all of these really big things in my business happen during or right after uh, a trip and traveling. But I was in Mexico City with two of my friends. We were talking about all of our hopes and dreams for our lives. And right when I got back from that, I realized that I wanted to and needed to niche down to work exclusively with people who celebrate food. It was people who celebrate food at first, because I loved the idea of getting to work with like coffee shops and breweries and vineyards and restaurants. But within that was eating disorder clinicians for sure. Also, while I was working as a dietitian, I really had a creative itch. I missed doing creative work and I was chatting with my friend, Kylie Mitchell, and we decided to start a e-commerce shop called soft and strong as a way to create merch to remind people and help people eat and be in their bodies with ease. It was an absolute dream getting to start a business with a friend uh, that I'd known since college who we both were on the same mission and just loved what we did. And we had three incredible launches uh, over the span of Soft and Strong and getting to do that and connect with even more people in the eating disorder space just like made me really freaking excited. And so everything was lining up in the way that I just had so much excitement about everything that I was doing related to the eating disorder space, getting to be a dietitian, getting to run soft and strong, getting to do design work and knew that was the moment that I knew that I would be in this niche forever and ever. After about 11 months of working as an eating disorder dietitian, I actually moved into a different role within the company. I moved into their outreach and marketing role, which I absolutely loved getting to network with people. I now realize is one of my zones of genius. I love getting to connect with people. It changed a lot during the pandemic, which ultimately led to me leaving that role and leaving the company. But there were also a lot of other things happening with that too. My design studio was getting bigger. I had started the Weight Inclusive Business Academy. I legally set up the eating expedition. Um, I got asked to sit on the board for the Houston Eating Disorder Specialist as their conference co-chair. So my hand, this is when my hand really started to be in like a lot of different cookie jars. And I loved all of it. And primarily my design studio was just growing pretty rapidly though. And I ended up leaving that full-time job in December of 2020. So about a year ago, and I have been working for myself ever since. So that about sums up my whole story. It's a pretty long one. I feel like I dove into my life more than necessarily my business story, but hindsight 2020, looking back, everything happened the way it needed to and opportunities were presented. And I said yes to all of the right things to get me to where I am today. I literally, well, first of all, you are such a badass. Can I just say, and I know when we talk about our business stories, 
we do kind of focus on the big pieces. It's like, this was my step. And then this was my step. And this was my step. And I know it's not that straightforward. And I'm just like, so in awe of you and how you sharing your story is literally, I just see all the values-based living that you had going on there of like traveling, finding yourself, building a business, getting this experience, like literally working at a treatment center and working at like in an office manager job and getting to like look at other people's roles, learn about them, and then be able to understand them so much that you can build them a website. That's incredible. Like not a lot of people can say that. And so it just, every step, even if it's not straightforward, just brings you to where you need to be. And I just think that's so fucking awesome. Thank you. It's, it's so weird to look back hindsight 2020. And I'm, I know I'm not the only one that has stories similar to this, but it's just a testament to like following your gut. Mm. Like never, ever thought I would ever be in a situation like this. And it just was a string of having this gut feeling that this is what I was meant to do and being really fucking scared, but saying yes to it anyway. And here we are not to say there weren't a shit ton of trials and tribulations along the way, because that was definitely like a glorified version of my story and how I got here. There were very tough moments along the way. And listening to my gut got me to where I am. I'm so thankful for it. Absolutely. And I think when you have space from those harder moments too, you have an appreciation for them of like, oh, I needed to go through that to prove my grit and to really show what I'm capable of and to have perspective. Totally. Okay. I have questions. I'm ready for questions. Okay. So I want to ask you some specific things about your journey. And then I want to take it back to like childhood, adolescence, and entrepreneurship that shows up there. Cause I feel when you have that entrepreneur bug, you got signs of it in your childhood. So we'll get to that in a minute. But my first question, and this is more of a statement first, but I appreciate you naming that your time in Italy was hard and that it sounds dreamy. And I'm sure there were dreamy parts of it, like going to a coffee shop and just being in a different fucking country, like, cool. So I first wanted to say that, and I'm curious for you, what felt challenging being there as much as you want to share? Totally. That was my first time that I was ever by myself. Mm. You went big. (laughs) (laughs) Big, big. I had always been in either Houston or College Station in terms of spending a significant amount of time in. There was always someone to do something with. If I wanted to go to a coffee shop, if I wanted to go to a movie, if I wanted to go grab dinner, I could call up people and there would always be someone to go do something with. And in Italy, that wasn't the case. I was solo. And so that was probably the hardest part of it. I just never had to sit with being by myself that much. College, I was constantly on the go. I always had something to do. I always had you know, this week may be really hard, but I know next weekend I get to go to a sporting event or a concert with a friend. There was always something to look forward to. And that wasn't the case with Italy. And so just the amount of time that I had to learn how to be by myself. And it was honestly a blessing in disguise. That moment was so pivotal because then I came home to Houston where I went back into the routine of there will always be someone that I can invite to do something with, but I didn't feel like I had to. Mm. And it was this really great distinction where I love being around people and 9.9 times out of 10, I'm going to try to find someone to go do something with me because there's just, it's so much more fun when you have someone to go on trips, errands, adventures with, but I proved to myself that I could also do it alone. I, oh gosh, I like got chills because I think that is such an important distinction of, do I want this or do I need this? Like, do I want to have somebody to do this with me? And that sounds really nourishing. Or do I feel like I can't go do things on my own and I need somebody else there? And it's such a, such a young person thing, right? As far as like college, early 20s stuff, that was definitely me in that time. And just having that ultimate exposure of being removed from your environment where you can't do that and learning to tolerate that. I think 
one, that's just an incredible life skill, but two, really set you up for entrepreneurship because a lot of the time you're doing shit alone and there isn't somebody who can relate to you or can help you because only you know the ins and outs of your business. And some things you just want done in a certain way that only you can do. And there's some things that we believe that and other people can do, but that's a whole nother podcast episode. So I just think that's awesome. And it just, again, shows your grit, shows your ability to make yourself uncomfortable and how that leads to growth. So amazing. I appreciate that. That trip probably impacted my personal values the most because adventure and growth are two of my top personal values now. I feel like they were always there, but that really solidified it. Yeah. You have like a lived example that you can always come back to. It's like, Oh, remember that time in Italy? That was really fucking hard, but I also learned all this stuff and I made it through and I have a different perspective now. Like incredible. What is a project or business that you wanted to start during this time that either fucking flopped and failed or you just wrapped it up and aren't doing it anymore? I'll talk about one where it failed, but then I pivoted. So I have another business called The Eating Expedition. We were supposed to do our first trip to Northern Italy in October of 2022, which obviously didn't happen because pandemic. And I was getting antsy about wanting to launch this business so badly. And so I decided over the summer of this year of 2021, decided over the summer that I was going, that I wanted, I needed to do something. And I was talking to friends and um, was just, was trying to wrap my head around like what I could do. And I decided that September of this year was going to be the kickoff month for the eating expedition. And I was going to host three events in Houston that were food focused experiences. Overall went well, but I had to cancel one of them because no one signed up for it. That was hard. I had to keep reminding myself. I had a nice cry session the morning that I decided to cancel it, but everything going back to that gut feeling, everything in me was like, this just means that something bigger and better is going to come along. It's okay. But had a lot of shame attached to it. Felt very exposed because I had friends the few, like the few days leading up to it of like, Hey, what about that event that you had? And I had to tell them like, I had to cancel it. Reflecting back on that month. So it was, well, um, it was that. And then I also was like, so antsy to have my first trip planned and under my belt. I wanted to do a trial trip and I had planned a Texas tour in October of this year. And it was a five day tour around like central Texas ended up having to cancel that deal for a few different things. COVID was on the rise in Austin. And I was like, meh, I don't know if I want to mess with that because a lot of, I would say 60% of the trips were going into farms and factories which obviously both of those places are very aware of public health and people being sick. And without those experience, I didn't want to run a trip without those experiences. Yeah. There was a lot of ego blow in the month of October, end of September, beginning of October, canceling all of that. And it just allowed me to take a step back, reevaluate what I actually wanted the business to be ways that I could set myself up for success because most of those things were very last minute, fly by the seat of my pants. Let's throw something out there and see how it goes, which has gotten me to where I needed to be many times in my life for a business model like that. Not the case. So just lots of reflection on that. Neither of those things have manifested itself again. So I'm just going to grieve those, let those be where they are and move forward. Thank you for sharing that. I, it makes me think I saw somebody on Instagram. I don't remember who it was. If I think of it, I'll put it in the show notes, but they were basically talking about how they seem like an overnight success when it's like, no overnight successes are like 10 years of fucking failure. And it's, it's failure in a very neutral way of this is just part of it. You have to try something and it would be so unrealistic for things to always work out. Like there've been plenty of things that I've done where I've canceled them because nobody signed up. And that's just 
it's information for you of, oh, something's off here because I know this is a valuable offering and people would love this, but there's a missing piece. I always love hearing how people have failed. And I say failed in a very intentional, important way of like, you have to do this. You have to fail. It's part of it. I'm trying to remember what interview it was, but it's with Sarah Blakely, founder of Spanx. And she said at the dinner table, her dad would always ask her, what did you fail at today? Because if you're not failing at things, you're not putting yourself out there enough. Ooh, you're not taking risk. I love that. I love that because I, I've had to, I've had to shift my mindset around failure because it used to always be a very shame-based thing. And now getting, as you fail multiple times, you have to start (laughs) switching that mindset around it and just constantly reminding myself like that didn't pan out. I think you nailed it. Now I have information to evaluate what didn't go as planned but I took a risk. I put myself out there and now I can make tweaks and either try it again or recognize that it's not feasible and say, I tried it. It didn't work on to the next thing. Absolutely. And I think that's an important distinction of, is this just not a feasible thing for X, Y, and Z and cool. I'm not going to put any more energy here, but my hopes is for the entrepreneurs out there that it doesn't discourage you from trying again, from tweaking and trying something, because I think so many things are not executed in the world due to that. And it makes me really sad that we can't tolerate fucking up in a very neutral way, right? <laughs> yeah, hundred percent. So my last question in regards to your story is, do you have any things from your childhood or adolescent where you're like, had a moment of, oh, this was a first sign of me being an entrepreneur? I mean, I was definitely a lemonade stand kind of kid. But but nothing, I just like know that I did lemonade stands. Nothing like totally stands out from that. Honestly, I think just my upbringing, my parents were always very supportive of me trying new things, trying new things in terms of sports, music, arts. They would, they would always encourage it, which I think that kind of environment definitely fosters an entrepreneur brain. My, neither of my parents were like full entrepreneurs. My dad's, my dad's work, I was aware of growing up. Like I, one distinct memory is like third grade doing a, making a trifold about my dad's job and like what he did. It was somehow a core memory because I remember so vividly standing up in my classroom in front of my classmates and their parents that they were talking about too. And getting like being so proud of my dad and like all of the accomplishments that he had in his job and just getting to like talk about that. And so I think being like having that kind of figure in my life of someone who was like constantly pushing ahead and wanting to get better and um, while simultaneously being so present in my childhood allowed for this balance of like this desire to be successful while also knowing that work isn't everything. Like it gets you the things that, you know, put you in a good spot, but there's also so many other things that you can have, which is entrepreneurship. If you allow it to be, you have the flexibility to be able to grow a business that you're really passionate about and still uphold your values outside of work. I love that you had that experience and that it just reminds me of the importance of play and fun and exploration. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't even want to say, especially in childhood, but like, that's a time where people who are very lucky to have that, like, that's a very appropriate time to be able to do that. And adulthood, we should still be doing those things like playing and exploring because that's how innovation happens. And that's how ideas come up. And so I love that you were set up for success in that way to become an entrepreneur. I think that's awesome. Yeah, I definitely don't, I definitely don't take it for granted. I, I reflect on it a lot of recognizing and being so thankful for the environment that I was in growing up that has allowed for, yeah, allowed for that play, that creativity, that exploration, which is still very present in my adult life now. A question that just came up for me, thinking about how we are in the weight inclusive and eating disorder space. How do you feel having a disordered relationship with food impacted entrepreneurship for you, like being in that space? 
I learned about intuitive eating and it clicked right away. And I, which I'm so thankful for, I literally heard about it one time and I was like, yeah, that makes sense. Why aren't we doing that? And made that switch end of my college career. So I feel like my relationship with food was pretty solid going into entrepreneurship. Thinking back to college years, which there was definitely some entrepreneurship in there. I started a nonprofit in college, things like that, where I just, I I can think back and whenever you're in a place of disordered eating and so focused on your body, it leaves no brain space for creativity in terms of entrepreneurship. And I reflect on that a lot and remind myself like, thank God so much of my day isn't spent thinking about food in my body because I don't think I'd ever accomplish as much as I have because I need all that brain space to put towards business ideas and other things, but also business ideas. And you need a lot of snacks to fuel your brain for business. (laughs) That too. That too. Constantly. And so many of my businesses are centered around having a good relationship with food. Got to walk the talk. Got to walk the talk. Well, bring us up to speed with where you're at now in your businesses and tell us in your own words what it is that you do. Yeah. I always say I have my hand in a lot of cookie jars. I know I mentioned this on our last episode, but I, this year I was trying to reel it back and hone in on like a few things and then like the podcast opportunity started and I was like, okay, clearly that's not what I meant to do. Multi-passionate entrepreneurship is the official term for it. So first and foremost, I run Morgan Sinclair Designs, which is my design and strategy studio for weight-inclusive business owners. Nestled in that is the Weight-Inclusive Business Academy, which is an online education platform that allows weight-inclusive business owners to get short little snippets of information because no one has time to sit down and take a eight hour long course these days, nor do you need to, because most of us don't decide overnight to jump into entrepreneurship. It's a marathon, not a sprint. And so you don't need all the information at once. You're going to get overwhelmed with all the information at once. So setting it up in a way where you can take what you need as you need it. We have this podcast, which is our fun new endeavor. I run the eating expedition that's still very much in the baby stages of being built. And we have dates set for our first trip, which will be in Northern Italy in September of 2022. Yeah, more on that later. I am actually meeting with a PR and copywriter to work on a marketing plan that doesn't require me to fly by the seat of my pants. Love it. You got to do the fly by the seat of your pants thing for a while. And then you're like, oh, this is not sustainable. This doesn't really work. This doesn't really work. And then those are things that either currently bring me income or have the potential to bring me income. I also sit on a board for a nonprofit here in Houston called the Houston Eating Disorder Specialist. It's kind of like our own IADEP chapter without being under IADEP but it's just a, it's all of the eating disorder clinicians in Houston. And I am the conference co-chair. So I've been doing that for three years now and have two more years to go. And it is one of the most fun things ever. I absolutely love planning conferences, realize that pretty quickly. Foreshadowing. Yes. I, I want to plan all the conferences. (laughs) They're so fun getting to feed that like networking side of things. And then I'm actually still doing some work with the Medical Center for Eating Disorders. I am kind of dubbed their forever employee and I'm getting to work with them in a different capacity. So I don't really do like office. I don't work in the office anymore, but I get to, I hold a little bit more of a managerial role. I'm working with the other office staff. I'm getting to, and getting to help them create some new revenue streams outside of just seeing patients. And so some education, trainings, things like that, which has been so fun. I also love course development. So yeah, those are all the cookie jars. I think those are all the cookie jars that my hand is in. Those are all the ones coming to mind. So we'll go with those. You're doing the most and it's awesome. It's fun. It keeps keeps the day-to-day very interesting, very fun, very lively. And the importance of being organized. 
yeah, I have everything mapped out in Asana, my task management software, which is a lifesaver. We will definitely do a mini sode on project management systems because we love that shit. We need that shit. Just converted Hannah over to Asana. So I am a convert, (laughs) not to be confused with Alsana, which is a treatment center, which we always giggle about, you know, eating disorder world jokes, dad jokes, particularly eating disorder, dad jokes. That's basically what it is. Yeah, we always joke about that. Okay, so we're going to wrap up the episode with me asking Morgan some quick fire questions. She has no idea what they are. I literally have been thinking about them the last couple of days, but jotted them down five minutes before our meeting because it me. Are you ready? I think so. Let's do it. Okay. Best piece of business advice you've ever received? I'm going to go back to trust your gut. Worst advice that you would never recommend to anybody around business that you see everywhere? Spend like the money you want to be making, not like the money you're currently making. What is the last thing you bought for your business? Blue light glasses. Nice. What's your least favorite part of the businesses you do? The, any, any task that's monotonous that I have to do over and over again, like once a month. What's an unpopular opinion you have can be related to business or life? Oh gosh. A 40 hour work week is stupid. Agreed. Sometimes it's more. <laughs> Most of the time it's less. What side of the bed do you sleep on? Smack dab in the middle. Who's your podcast dream guest? Samin Nasrat, author <laughs> of Salt, Fat, Acid, Heat. Favorite place you've ever traveled? Mexico City. Word you keep coming back to to ground yourself. Growth. Word. Oh, growth. As I say, and and I, if I had to turn that into a into a phrase, I would say growth doesn't happen when you're comfortable. Oof. Okay, last one. What have you done that you never thought you would? Run a business that allows me to travel. Thank you so much for sharing your business story and answering some fun questions. And thank you all for listening. We want to hear from you. So let us know if you have business ideas you want us to talk about, what you think of our episodes. If you could leave us a rating and review, share with a friend that'll help people see our podcast and get some sweet, sweet business advice. And we will see you all next week. Bye everyone. 